Welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Jade. I love everyone in this cluster. Rose. And I'm Hamish. I miss my dog, Steel. (laughs) And in today's episode, if you couldn't guess, we are talking about a show very near and dear to our hearts, uh, Sensate. Yeah, it's, um, I first came aware of it. I think I remember seeing a trailer ages ago in the sort of early days of Netflix when like the first things, the only real thing on Netflix was like Orange is the New Black, uh, sort of critically acclaimed wise. And I saw a trailer and I said, oh, there's a cool show in which Martha Jones is like dating a trans woman and they fight crime. Because I think they did all the trailers separately. Yeah, no, I think I remember that. Like, every character had their own sort of trailer. Yeah. and um, um, Yeah, I suppose we should say for maybe people who aren't familiar, if you're not a, a Netflix subscriber and have somehow managed to avoid social media, um, Sensate's um, an American sci-fi drama uh, created by the Wachowskis and J. Michael Straczynski, who I really hope I've just pronounced all of those names correctly, um, produced for Netflix. And it's about eight strangers from different parts of the world who uh, suddenly become sensate, uh, able to um, communicate with each other and they're emotionally and mentally linked. And they were all born at the same time, but we don't find out that until later. It's kind of a very simple premise that I'm finding very hard to describe all of a sudden now I'm obliged to do so. Yeah, I want to say, yeah, I kind of want to talk about like, when I first came aware of it, because I remember people struggling to kind of compare it to stuff. Lots of people said it was like Heroes, mm. but just in the sense that it had a kind of global cast and some scenes would take place in some countries and some in others. But like, I suppose that's, very quickly, it, yeah, no, it I, doesn't become that. No, but I suppose you do have these eight distinct narratives that sort of, as you go on, become... I don't want to say they become inextricably linked, but they become... There's this. There's become as 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 the sensates themselves become closer, they influence each other's stories more. I mean, you could have these eight separate stories, and they'd all be interesting, but it becomes about how mm. they intersect with each other in each other's lives. And from the beginnings, these things aren't necessarily easy to deal with. I mean, if I started seeing a total stranger on the other side of the world in another country, but I could understand what they were saying, I would. I would possibly go full Leto. I might be more chill about it. <laughs> I feel like going full well, yeah, Leto just, needs to be a a thing. So Yeah, it's it's kinda of hard to explain. And like Isn't it? Quite though? often I find myself saying that um oh I'm I, I find it really confusing and I don't know what's going on and things like that, but I always mean that in a good way. Like I've sometimes described the show as being a string of really weird, long, slow-motion music videos mm-hmm. and, like, then sex scenes and action scenes, but I'm always crying. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which may not be the best often, sales pitch in the world, but is actually, you know, pretty kind of spot on. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it, at times, like... There's whole, like, mm-hmm. waves of the show, which I wouldn't describe as science fiction. No, I mean, like, I suppose it's soft sci-fi. It is based on a, mm-hmm. quote, sci-fi premise. I mean, this is as possible a slight spoiler, but the, the sensei, I can't remember the Latin name they gave them in the show. Um, that didn't pop up till season two. Um, 
but the idea is it's a different type of human being that has this ability and you can be awakened or birthed uh, that sort of wakes mm. up this part of you. So it, at its core, it's soft sci-fi. Um, it's premise. But then you have, as we said, like these eight people with their own stories and none of those stories are sci-fi. No, and the the story is also a sort of subtly different genres and Mm -hmm. each story comes with its own sort of mini cast of characters who become just as important and Mm -hmm. um, relatable and um, it's like some some of the storylines focus quite heavily on trying to find out what happened to them Mm -hmm. some really do treat the whole connecting with people around the world as kind of just a footnote of their life yeah. and um but what we love about it is that there's sort of no drama or conflict between them they no. sort of are instantly bonded and are loving and supportive of each other without any question yeah i mean there um, is that getting to some of them struggle to understand it more. Some The way each of them kind of try to justify it to themselves is super interesting from a character base. But once they mm. sort of accept, okay, this is a thing, um, because they are so inextricably linked with each other and it isn't just talking to each other, like they can... The way it works in action is effectively they sort of share this wealth of knowledge and skills and abilities. Um, The way they shoot it compared to how it must look to people within that specific space. I always find it really interesting because obviously we see the finished thing and it's just Mm. just very cool. And uh, one thing just to loop back ever so slightly to what you were saying about the different stories, they often had different directors and each segment while there's i'm not to say it's incohesive because it's not each sort of um sensei or each location has a different directorial style that sort of feeds into that genre that that is telling like for example uh mainly talking about season one here uh wolfgang stuff in berlin a lot i believe it's tom twiker shot a lot of that and it feels and looks very different to the stuff shot in mexico or the stuff shot in chicago or the stuff shot mm. in uh in mumbai and it's wonderful yeah. and it's one of the things I particularly... But it doesn't feel, yeah, it doesn't feel like a patchwork. No, it feels, it feels very cohesive, like, but in the same yeah. way that the cluster, so that's what they call you have an, a group of eight individuals and they are a cluster, um, just as though they are all very different people, they form a cohesive whole. Each of them in, exists independently, but they influence each other. And like the visuals of the, of the show and the stories reflect that core which is super and cool. Each, yeah, each person in the cluster, as they go on, they get better at working out what they're unique, what they bring to yeah. the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, a few episodes ago, we had um, Mercer Trender talking about how they wanted to do a Sensei role-playing game. Yes. Um, and at times it feels a bit like that. So mm-hmm. As they get better in the course of the show, they have moments where you know, I need to escape. So the guy who's really good at driving appears and then the guy who's really good at shooting things. And then someone comes out and starts doing the fighting where others are hacking mm. and others are sort of, it, it's great. You know, and it, it, I, I, it oh, flows. It's beautiful. And I just love how all of the relationships within the cluster 
um, are, slightly, are subtly different. But then you have like these beautiful sort of ways in which they're similar and ways in which they're different and how they complement each other so beautifully. Like uh, this is sort of a, a minor spoiler for season two, but there's a moment where Leto is going through some shit and he is very, very upset and he appears to Sun and Sun is just like, what are you doing? And he's like, you need to cry. And it's like that moment, like... You might have thought initially, oh, he's there because he needs support. But it's more like Sun needs to be able to have a moment to just not be okay. And, what, and it's, mm. oh, it was such a good moment. But the thought I was having yeah, was this, bit, uh, I looked at it, is this great shot of, I think it's Sun, Will and Wolfgang. And I saw some great takes. It's basically, this is team will fuck you up. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. yeah. But each of them I is mean, so the, very different. But yeah, you go. The, the well, it's just that there's there is a main story about trying to stop the bad guys and oh, yeah. find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I think even the show knows that's not why people are watching. And when I think of Sense8, I just think of all these amazing character moments mm. that are just soft and gentle and moving, mm-hmm. strung together with a sci-fi plot which allows it to happen. Yeah. Um, it's like almost like, like the like... sci-fi is the excuse to tell this great character-driven narrative and mm. uh, Hamish knows this I am obsessed with characters like people some people are very plot heavy but I will quite happily if I'm engaged with characters they could be up to not very much and I'll be enraptured and they've done such a good job of the writing and the directing and the performances with the, with this core eight and then obviously the relationships they have outside of the cluster which are never painted as anything less all of these it's about people and how mm. we relate to each other be us sensates or not it's about yeah, relating I mean, to each other and relating to the world and how the world relates to us yeah they they each of them are so different, but they can bond over their sort of empathy and their, um, they could, they, because they feel each other's emotions, they do understand what people are going through, even if it's a kind of completely different world. Like the, one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. is the art gallery scene uh-huh. where, <laughs> Nomi and uh, Leto, who, I mean, I don't, the show kind of suggests that you can't necessarily possibly be straight in a cluster. Which is Um, something I very much approve of. In a traditional way, but the the two characters who very much have storylines about being queer Mm -hmm. just sit down in an art gallery and talk about their experiences together and how they're very different but, and, you know, one tells about a happy experience, another tells about a sad experience and how it, it's just people bonding over their differences in a way mm-hmm. and their similarities. And there's this, one of the reasons why the show is so special, I think, is that it was devised by queer people. Mm-hmm. Um, the... The, the stories of Leto and Nomi in particular ring so true and honest in a way that I've not seen on television before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get, you do get the sort of the coming out storyline and the, the facing of homophobia and transphobia storylines, but I feel like the, 
the accuracy is in the just the tiny little moments and the tiny little ways mm. the characters talk about their experiences. For sure. I think that um, there's reason, one of the valid criticisms, particularly of the first season, is perhaps some of the more stereotypical aspects of some of the storylines. But yes. like you were saying about uh, being produced by queer people, the queer storylines have that, uh, from a story, such empathy for the people, for the communities that go through those experiences. And this is when, when we talk yeah. about queer creators and things like that and listening to the voices of the communities that you're looking to portray, this is why. Because there's this truth this emotional truth to your stories that can't be ignored. And that's an amazing thing. I mean, one of the things I like about the Wachowskis, um, for all that they, like many, are not uh, free of their issues, of their problems. I am purposely avoiding a certain choice because I do not have the jar next to me. And I need that money, Hamish. I need that money. <laughs> But what yeah. what I love about the Bukowskis, and regardless of what property you're working, is they are unapologetic fans of things, and they mm. put all of themselves into what they make. You can feel it, and even when they swing and miss or they make mistakes, you can tell that it's coming from a place of great love or appreciation. And maybe yes, there is stuff that I've done. It's just like mm, that's very appropriative. And while you can't not say it's not appropriative, you can go, but it is coming from a place of great love and appreciation. Just maybe you should have gone about it a little bit differently. It's Sensei does it better. I think if we're talking about Wachowski's, one of the, like, something like Cloud Atlas mm -hmm. is, no pun intended, a bit of a clusterfuck in terms of race. <laughs> but at the same Sorry. time, even, even the criticism, even the critics of mm. what they did in that film are like, I don't really know if it can be done another way. It's so bonkers and so, like, yeah, throwing everything against the wall that uh, only sort of they could make it. And in a way, I mean, my favorite as as I've probably said on the podcast, my favorite film is Speed Racer. Um, I can't defend it and also criticize things like Ghost in the Shell mm -hmm. for what it is, but. One of the reasons why I do love it and why I love all their stuff is that no matter how taken from their influences it is, it's still 100% them and you're yes. watching their vision. Agreed. Because I think we've talked about this before with adaptions. It's just like, why make a remake? Why not just do your take on a thing? Or like, like shot yeah. for shot remakes, whereas the Bukowski's like... Their V for Vendetta film feels very different to the V for Vendetta graphic novel because they took it and they made it theirs. For better or worse, that can be argued by other people on other podcasts. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, sorry, famously, was, yeah. Well, no, it's famously, the reason The Matrix exists is that they showed um, the studio Ghost in the Shell and said, we want to make this, but live action. They didn't make Ghost in the Shell, they made. Their, how they felt about it. Mm. And I love Speed Racer, but as an adaptation, it's nothing really to do with it. It's, right. it, it's, it's loving and, every, and the best you could imagine an adaptation being, but it's not so it's not strictly slavish. in love with the source. Yeah, it's not trying to just profit off of another brand. It's, we want to make this amazing film. 
we'll use that as the haha vehicle to yeah. um, do it. And I think Sensei, Sensei, in a way, is like a culmination of everything they've learned and all the zany things they've tried to do over the years. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. It's something that really works. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. I will say that yeah. it took me a while to... I was very intrigued instantly, and I wanted to watch more, but it did take me a while to trust the show. Mm-hmm. I think in the first few episodes, there's a little bit of... I think they're setting up tropey characters yes. to then subvert them, yes. but that means you have to spend a few hours... The first episode in particular, I remember feeling quite kind of blue lives mattery yeah. in terms of like mm-hmm. cops have it just as bad as the people they shoot mm-hmm. and things like that. And I think that's specifically done so that as the show goes on. Yeah, uh, they can unpack those tropes and dissect. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like um, that's true of some of the the plots, particularly I feel um, uh, Carla's and uh, Kerfus and Sun lean perhaps yeah. most on sort of cultural stereotypes or stories that we come to expect, perhaps from yeah. a Western looking at those, a Western filmmaker or producer looking at that part of the world and going, what kind of story could I set in this country? But I feel yes. season two, they did a very, they clearly made a conscious choice to also sort of work at that and... It shows. I feel the second season really does reflect that. I mean, we'll get on to more about um, on that a bit later in the episode. But, yeah, even when they yeah. had these very sort of arguably tired tropes of an arranged marriage, um, of an Indian woman, of a, a Korean woman uh, looking at a familial duty, of uh, a man... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> uh, <laughs> Um, in Nairobi whose mother is dealing um, suffering with complications due to to HIV and AIDS but at the same time these characters are not caricatures they are not stereotypes in and of themselves and part of that comes because we are living very much in their headspace and that's super cool because we get to know these characters so intimately and also intimately but you know (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I mean, the show is quite famous for its sex scenes, mm-hmm. um, but it it's it feels important. If it wasn't included, you'd ask about it, like what happens when they have sex. Um, and again, I feel it's it's the the lens, the eye is is. I feel like the sex scenes are kind of like a spectacle. They're not mm. quite. Yeah, I, th- uh, I, 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 I don't know what to. I don't yeah, know what I, th- I think what you were saying about music videos earlier, and it's a thought I had watching season two. Um, the camera loves these people, regardless of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Everything is shot, and I don't mean to say in an objective way because it doesn't feel objective. It feels like the camera and the people wielding is just like. We love these people and we want to show them in the best way because we love them so much. And that might come sound like an odd thing to say, but particularly in season two, um, Sun in particular is often seen in quite, I don't want to say, I don't want to say tintling, um, in, that shows a lot of skin. And I never feel like she's being sexualized by the camera, despite the fact that there is a scene where she's no, wearing like tiny is. glittery shorts and like a, a bra and boots. And I'm going, that's a look. That's just a look. 
yeah, it feels. I just, I, I think the title sequence, which a lot of people don't like, um, I always defend because it kind of sets up the fact that yes, the camera and the show loves these eight people, but it actually just loves humanity. Mm-hmm. It's it's a show about how if you took any eight random people, more would unite us than divide us, and mm-hmm. we'd we'd get to understand like. In the in our modern age, we spend a lot of time sort of thinking in very us v them kind of ways, and the you know the internet means that we feel quite anonymous and we can say things or think things or um, be quite cruel to each other. Mm. And I think it's very sweet that if you actually were in the room with anyone around the world you would probably find something to get on with. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be that horrible. Um, it's like an advert for something out, which is like, I'm horrific, I'm horribly transphobic and I'm a trans woman, but we can get on because of yeah. this drink we're drinking or whatever. I'm not being like that, but I think... No, I didn't think you were. The... Uh, is it just... This might be a spoiler. I feel like this is a very spoilery episode, but yeah. um, they're not... This is a spoiler. They are not the only sensates. Did I gotta say and that? We, I mean, to be fair, we knew that from the beginning because we. Yes. But I mean, I we, we were kind of maybe led by the show to think, okay, there was one cluster, and now there is a new. Um, in the second season, yeah. we're like, oh no, oh, oh yeah. no, that was a delight I, to me. I was something that's interesting is that we get windows into other clusters, mm. and. They do get on, but I think there's something, there's a reason we're following this cluster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because by chance, they all fill in a gap um, with each other, like to create a kind of a very powerful unit that's kind of, the cluster itself is kind of a superhero. Yeah. Um, and I think. That's what I really love. And I think that's what the TV show and the whole, uh, the title sequence and the whole show is about. It's just like humanity can achieve its best working together. Yeah, no, most definitely. Um, I'm um, I'm going to be doing um, a panel at Nine Worlds uh, later this year. And the title that I pitched for it that has gone down really well, which I think are kind of the three things at the core of Sense8, which is... Uh, Empathy, diversity, and finding your people. Yeah. And I mean, as Hamish knows, and as, as I'm sure regular listeners at them, found families are, are kind of a thing for me. I mean, <laughs> kind of. I mean, I like them, I suppose. But <laughs> just. Sensei just kind of found families, the TV show. Dialed up to the max. Hmm. But not also, which is fun, is it's not just the cluster, but the, the families they find around that. Be that uh, Wolfgang's closest friend is somebody is a friend that is like a brother to him. With Lito, you have uh, Hernando, and you have Daniela. With Nomi, you have Anamita, but then you meet her friends like Bug in season no, it's late season one, oh. season two, and all of them have these wonderful things around them. And then even within the cluster as a group, you have. Um, I'm throwing out the hat about trying to, but uh, with uh, Will and Riley falling in love within the cluster that they wouldn't yeah. have met otherwise. Mm. 
And it just it's, gives me, it, it, it gives there's me so of, many. It gives me all the feels, Hamish. It gives me many feels. <laughs> I know it does. It gives lots of people. It's just it. Every single relationship's interesting, and mm-hmm. one of the things I loved about season one is you'd get like eight episodes in, and then suddenly you go, "Oh, this the- is the first scene between these two characters." Yeah. And I know a lot about both of them now, so this is going to be really interesting. Mm. Um, and you ha- you wouldn't piece together how uh, story things happening in their story would relate to another person's story. For sure. One of the things that happens quite a lot in the series is you see characters about to uh, across the world about to experience something that's in some ways similar mm-hmm. so and there's quite have, often mm. multiple people being interviewed at the same time and one's for a job and one's for a tv show and one's for something else and like they what they're saying is kind of universally true and relevant it's a beautiful out visual expression of empathy two people feeling the same thing and being united by that feeling in that moment uh, there's this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just puddle of feel. Oh, <laughs> I'm just yeah. No, this is not a technical issue. This is just me behind my mic going. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I mean, it. Even when I don't really know what's going on, I end up just kind of crying at the music and the 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 emotions on screen i think it what does, i find like, really yeah, it, it taps into something but uh, we talked about this a little bit in musical theater how it can sort of mm. bypass the logic center and go straight to the emotion um and you yeah. get that reaction even if maybe you haven't completely followed everything and i think sensei because i think maybe so because it's so visual and because it uses its music so well the um, in the same way that the sensei's like uh b- b- transcend distance to to be with each other so that barrier is just sort of transcended and we're there in the moment with them, even if we don't understand what's happening. I mean, the, in, when speaking about music, we have to talk about what's up for, oh, for non-blondes. The first proper there's time, a, yeah. Yeah, there's a moment early on in the season, which to me is sensate. Mm-hmm. And that's just one character starts singing that song at karaoke and then everyone joins in and they the thing i find funny about sensei is that we won't just get a chorus we'll get every single verse the entire song it's beautiful (laughs) they 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 use that hour of netflix tv time Mm. too yeah we have got the rights (laughs) to use this song and we have the time so you are gonna hear it in its entirety but that's what's really interesting is that that's what the show is about. That's important storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like the sex scene, which I keep talking about because it's one of the like headline grabbing things, mm. isn't a kind of gratuitous shock moment. It's no. storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's importance to the group. Yeah. Um, and all of these kind of slow motion, possibly a bit indulgent moments of the characters doing something together is storytelling because the story is about these, these people. eight people bonding. Exactly. I never feel bored watching Sensei, even on with some of the very... I mean, I think there were some pacing issues, particularly in season mm. one, but I never felt bored. I was with Well, the show people. has just such... Yeah, the show has such a unique pace that it's mm. hard to criticise pacing issues because it's not like other shows. Mm. And actually, I have a real problem watching kind of hour-long adult dramas mm. because I, I've trailed off long before people stop watching Game of Thrones for sort of 
social political reasons i trailed off just because i didn't know what was going on and i really find i find i'm not criticizing these shows i find it difficult to follow shows like this mm-hmm. and sensei is probably the most complicated plot wise show i watch yeah but i never feel lost because i feel as as long as i understand the individual characters and they're together i know what's going on and i know what's important to yeah, them for sure um, it's just it's just really good you guys it's just, it's just <laughs> you should really watch it like, well, yeah no this like, Hamish and I recommend stuff a lot that's kind of yeah. what we do because we love to because sh- part of being a geek is sharing the th- is being excited and passionate about the things you love and sharing it we mm-hmm. love Sensei it, when we talk about a diverse cast we this this multinational multicultural cast we have Queer characters, a trans woman with a. Uh, it's just played by a trans woman. Played by a trans woman. It can written be written by a trans woman. Mm-hmm. Directed. Yeah, it's yeah. like the. I think it's one of the only times in TV that a trans woman character has been played and written by trans women. Mm-hmm. Um, Are they which on is like such a, I, a, such a big platform? Yeah, I mean, I went to an Iron Worlds panel, which made me a bit annoyed, where people were criticizing know me because bad things happen to her um, and i'm like no bad but bad things do happen it's a bit like it's a bit like the kill your gays trope where yeah. i don't like people killing gays but i'm allowed to kill my own gays because These are my gays. i was de- you know i was denied you know heartbreaking romantic storylines my whole life so i'm gonna tell them and if it you know adds to a bad trope then so be it but i feel the bad things that happen to know me are written by people who experience them mm-hmm. and i will always take a step back and say this is your story to tell yeah also um, well which is some of the bad things that happen to know me to know me yeah she experiences transphobia but also her narrative isn't defined by that it informs elements of it but like yeah. in season one like the brain surgery and the being on the run and then the being in trouble with the law that and that sort of extends onto season two that's not because she's a trans woman she just is a trans woman but the fact that she is makes that storyline have so many other details and elements which make it so much more fascinating Mm -hmm. um like her storyline could very easily be a white cis man in an action movie it could be very kind of born you know identity or something Mm -hmm. but and the same with all the other characters most of these storylines could be done in any other way and it's just the fact that they are a bit more diverse and a bit more there's a bit a few more elements to the storylines makes it more interesting Mm -hmm, for sure um that's the kind of thing i find interest one of the things i find interesting is that we love it as queer people but Mm -hmm. um one of my friends who is the most self like uh, identified cis straight mm-hmm. white i yeah. stay in my lane person sensate's their favorite show because they relate so much to all the characters mm-hmm. and he is obsessed with leto and just finds that storyline <laughs> so interesting and i find it great because like he watched the whole series too like the day it came out way before i did and was waiting for me to catch up as was and, i and yeah, <laughs> it took me. I, I, I had a kind of like it's we watched right. a few of it it's with my fine. husband, and 
I had to say, I'm sorry, I need to talk about, I need to watch this. Yeah, no, and, I, I love you, but I need to consume this without you. Forgive me. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I, I mean, I love Leto's storyline because I'm very, very picky about gay men storylines and no. things. No, um, you? Yeah. No, <laughs> I, 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 I tend to have a, an opinion or two. Um, and I have no qualms at all. Like, I, it's so interesting. And the thing that I find is that even when stories about queer people do the, a few of the same things, even if you're telling the same sort of story, mm-hmm. we have so few of these storylines that every single queer storyline on TV will do something new yeah. or do something that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Leto, you know, you get maybe elements that have been done before about him sort of coming to terms of sexuality and hiding his partner and sort of things like that. But like it comes with a, such a different or such a new feeling. And yeah. on top of that, it's, he's a side character in a science fiction action show. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I um, would totally watch most of these storylines as independent unique things. shows. Like if, uh, What's her name? Uh, Duna Bay or is it Bay Sun, Duna? Yeah, Sun's Sun story, um, Sun Beck's story. But I, I, I want the actress to get her own like action mm-hmm. franchise because Gorgeous. every time it cuts, like even though I say I don't have favorites, I do find myself every time it cuts to Sun, I'm just like, yes, yes here we go. This is yes. going to be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. The reason I made my title "I Miss My Dog" yeah. is that I. She's, that's one of her lines mm-hmm. and it's things like that like for example to talk about a side different show I've been watching American Gods yeah. and I found myself slightly disconnected from the main character mm-hmm. until one moment where he said I like marshmallows and I was like <laughs> ah I know who he is I know who he now is now I know who that's you just are the way I work. Yeah. I, and that's the way I work with characters and no, I think that's, the sense it's full of that yeah no, they're very real tangible people and you, and you feel that and that's amazing yeah, you, you you cut to a woman in India worried about her arranged marriage and you sort of think, okay, here we go. And then a few episodes in, she'll say some things and she'll have some views and she'll do some things that makes you go, oh, okay, that's just the kind of we are, 2D uh, setup for a real yeah. person. We are, of course, talking about actual Disney princess Carla, though. You know, with the eyes <laughs> and the hair. She's, she's wonderful and I love her. Uh, yeah, as everyone's I, beautiful. As I said at the top, I love everyone in this cluster. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, hey, I do love all of them. It's not, it's not, yeah, I I wanted to keep talking more about Sensei with you, but um, I think I'm kind of in dire need of a cup of tea. Do you mind if we have a quick break? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, cool. Be right back, guys. So we kind of have a new segment here at Box Not Included where we talk about things. So perhaps it's not that new a segment. Hamish, save me for myself <laughs> and say something. <laughs> uh, we decided to put, uh, we're, we're actually starting to get some sponsors. Um, this is very interesting. Yes, we are specifically choosing uh, small businesses that are relevant to our listeners, things that are queer and geeky, um, things that 
uh, are trusted, people we know. Um, so you'll have to get your Casper mattress code elsewhere. But uh, we've decided to put them in the middle to give them the best chance because we really genuinely think that you will like these products. Most um, definitely. In the next, yes. In the next few weeks, we have got a, a, a big sponsor with Beastly Beverages, which is the business um, uh, from Gabriel, who was in our Overwatch episode. We love you, Gabe. Um, yeah, and we, uh, we're big investors and supporters of that, and we'll be taking you through all of the different products over the weeks. Um, but first, we would you like to introduce mm. what we're advertising this week? Uh, sort of advertising, sort of not. Um, our producer, the tireless, tireless, patient Graham Waller, um, is started a really super exciting project uh, with a friend of his called Glitterwolf. Uh, it, they're a two-piece synthwave band, uh, 80s-inspired love child of... Uh, this is the description I was sent by uh, one of the other group members. Um, but the, their music's sort of this synth-led exploration of culture and fashion with lyrics ranging from lost love to neon monsters, which, you know, is... <laughs> Oh, I dig it, I do. They also uh, say on their Facebook page, which you can find at uh, Glitter Wolf Synth. Uh, so Glitter, Wolf, and then Synth, all one word, no underscores. Uh, they describe themselves as a two-piece synthwave band from dystopian Kent, which if you're from Kent, you will find deeply amusing, because I know that I do. <laughs> but they have their first single out now, um, Night Beast, which we're going to uh, end this little section with so you can hear a bit of that. But... It's really catchy and really awesome, and uh, yeah, we think you should check it out. Um, but yeah, the- I was kind of blown away. I I I, I do know uh, the people in the band, and this was all. I mean, I know you've been hearing the single being kind of pieced together for weeks, but it kind of came out of nowhere for me, and I was pretty. I was very impressed. <laughs> I, I I kind of couldn't believe it. Came, like I don't know, it's really good. Yeah, it's good shit. Um, <laughs> before we do before we do play that though I, I remind her that we appreciate any rating or reviewing or subscribing on iTunes or your podcasting mm-hmm. app of choice yep. um, and that we are always accepting questions for no box box pop which is our kind of FAQ Q and answer uh, regular episodes where we try and kind of talk directly to you and the things that are frustrating you or confusing you about being queer and nerdy mm-hmm and um, also for this midsection, if you were to get in contact, this might be where we sort of have like comments from you guys. That would be cool. But uh, yeah, yeah um, have you? Uh, but talk I've, to us. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I've finished my tea now, so uh, <laughs> we'll leave you with some of the uh, amazing synthy sounds of uh, Glitter Wolf, and we'll be right back with the rest of the episode.
Hamish, I cut you off in my desperate need for tea. Can you remember what you were saying? <laughs> a very natural desperate need for tea. Look, um, I, I need, well, ca- I I need thought... caffeine. You know, this is how I roll. Um, I was thinking that we've, we've talked a lot about how Series 1 had a few, uh, I wouldn't say problems, but sort of teasing kind of settling in pains, things that are to talk about. And I think personally Season 2... Uh, fixed a lot of those. Yeah. Um, but there was, quite a, there was quite a few changes between the seasons. So how yeah. do we feel about season two? I loved season two. Um, what I found interesting was the slight shift in visual language. We talked earlier in the episode about how uh, each um, segment or each narrative thread had its own sort of feel. And it's interesting because Riley and Will were so very interconnected Um as sort of operating as a pair the thing but when I, I was talking about the visual language is the way they would show the sensate sort of appearing in frame from each other like because I know so much of it was done practically but the beautiful pans of the camera revealing each of the the sensei in turn or all of them st- one of my favorite moments is this face-off that Wolfgang has with a uh, with another sensate and like he's literally mm. sits back in his chair and everyone stands up behind him and then all of this person's uh, this woman's sensei uh, cluster even stands up behind her and I'm there just like this is one of the most badass things I've ever seen this is amazing season two does like an amazing kind of leap forward in world building Mm -hmm. um it it makes you realize oh so this isn't completely unique to these characters which doesn't actually make it any less special no it makes me far more intrigued and I just uh, the fact that they actually meet more experienced sensates or they learn they can do things that they never thought they could do. Yeah. Um, Speaking of more experienced sensates, I feel like we have to address the appearance <sighs> of Sylvester McCoy because I lost my shit and I knew that when Hamish got to that episode, he was going to do the same thing. I think I just sh- shouted in all caps at you on Facebook Messenger one night, <laughs> yes. Sylvester McCoy, and you know exactly what I meant. I wasn't just watching some old Doctor Who or The yeah. Hobbit or something. I was, <laughs> it, it, it happens in a great moment as well. Yeah. It's, it's, in a great... And he sticks around. He does. Yeah, no, the, um, I won't give the specifics as to why this is happening, but Riley is doing um, a DJ set and it just like pads across the audience and she sees and there's Sylvester McCoy with like a fishing hat and an umbrella. I'm like, <gasps> Sylvester I mean, McCoy's here. Sylvester McCoy's here. Sylvester McCoy here. with umbrella and hat and like tugging his lapels and I was gonna being say, even I, more Scottish. I can only assume that the Wachowskis are Doctor Who fans given the choice of uh, dress and the, and the fact that Riley meets him in a box. Yes, that's te- sort of bigger on the uh, yeah. sort of in ways. P- than playing one. with space, uh, it might. I, d- I just appreciate a good fun nod like that. In my own kind of Doctor Who geeky ways, I'm a little sad he didn't have a scene with Free Regiment. Yeah, um, could still. I was going to say. I was going to say it the, could still happen, and then I made myself sad. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. Yeah, well, I want to uh, stay in the, stay stay in the happy place. We'll stay in the happy place. Um, but um, yeah, like what you were saying about world building, and um, but also the um, the world got bigger for them, but also yeah. the way they interacted with each other, I feel took a, a step up. Um, again, um, this is, um, uh, there's this stunning moment 
Um, well, for, first the less stunning moment, but emotionally beautifully poignant was Wolfgang going to that meeting that I mentioned before and him just sort of appearing to everybody because clearly he was thinking about them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have seen him. And I really yeah. liked that visually. But the moment I want to talk about is with Sun, where she is in the back. Um, the, right, this is very spoilery, even though I'm going to give no context, is when she's in the back of a van, a police van, and she's yeah. nominally alone. But there's this great moment where they all curl around her. Like, because there's this moment mm. where they're, they're at the table. I'm crying. I know, it's so, but they're all I'm like, they're crying. there with her in that moment. And it's just like, and they're about to say that we're with you. And it, yeah, no, I'm crying too. <laughs> the, it's just. Sun's whole storyline, there's a moment, again, I'm trying to keep vague, but if you've watched it, you'll know what I'm talking about. When she wants to do something and everyone in the cluster sort of comes forward she's walking and says their viewpoint and says this is what I want this is what I would do this is what I would do do you know what I'm talking about? Mm. Um, she wants to do something and everyone in the cluster has a kind of a viewpoint and it makes sense for their characters they, they're essentially discussing the kind of morality of killing someone mm-hmm. um, and it's those kind of moments where even though they're united they do have differences and different points of views but no matter what happens they'll they won't leave the cluster. They'll they support each other, them, even if they make a different choice. Yeah. Um, uh. I the, in series one, every time someone visits another person, um, it's given a kind of weight. And I think one of the differences in season two is that they're so in each other's pockets all the time. Yeah. And so it's almost it nonchalant. It's not the a way big they deal if, to each other. Yeah. They've got they've got a lot better at it. Mm. Um, it's, and yeah, like I said, as just, they've become closer to each other, that the grandiosity of it, or the, it, it's not that it doesn't, it's not that it lacks poignancy. It's just become commonplace for them. So the storytelling visual, yeah. it's become commonplace for us, and mm. that's a, and a that's a wonderful reflection of it. One of the mantras of the series is, I think, it, is it "I am a we"? we are, um, or is it, I am, I am a we. Yeah, I, um, I am also a we. Which is, yeah, which is just the kind of each other's lives are as important to them as. So, there's a moment when Leto is going for the biggest audition of his life, mm-hmm. and he has to help Sun, and he does, and. And that's like a small example of something that happens a lot in the show where they have to make a sacrifice for someone else, even though what that person's doing with will never affect them. And um, it's just that whole looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. And season two spills more about. I think season one to me had more like big, iconic, sensate moments because it was trying to kind of sell the concept to you more. Mm-hmm. Um it has lots of really nice season two has a lot of really nice character uh, moments and things like that. But I think season one has more of the, this is sensate. This is Mm. the kind of spectacle of it. Maybe. I think that's fair to say there's certainly some moments, but I think because as I've just, I think as, as I was just saying, as they've become more integrated, those moments have become more integrated. They've become less, sensate set set pieces and rather there is action set pieces but because they are so intertwined with each other so those moments become diffused into this just whole sense that spreads across the entire show 
It's not just these moments, which is amazing. Um, what what season two does a lot better, I feel, is makes that plot element the the um, the actual like villain storyline sci fi plot thing happening. I make makes that a lot clearer mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, um, I think it's because they are a lot more. Um, in control yes. of the, that narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, they have agency. Yes. In the first series, they're kind of discovering this thing happening to them. And then mm-hmm. in series two, they're going out to make themselves better at it and understand it and stop badness. And, For sure. Yeah. Oh, I will say, well, we didn't, aside from sort of the episode one slash Christmas special of season two, which definitely did have a sensate set piece i'd say maybe the closest we have or i say two of the moments is um their birthday no not mm. their birthday that happened in the no the I can't remember, but basically they're like um it's a picnic in the part and it's it's beautiful and lovely and so so it's shot in soft lighting and it's lovely but the the big sensate quote sensate moment was uh the gay pride parade for me. Uh, yes. Which one is an yeah. amazing thing, but the bit with all of them on the flow, and it's just they're like, I love this show, has no chill. This is the best. This is the best. That was amazing. I cried. There, yeah, there's, there's just, they just all go to Pride together, yeah. and it and means so much. And yeah. Uh, oh. I've never <laughs> seen that in a show. I like, mm. I've never seen, uh, sort of pride represented in a show in that sort of way yeah often it's the kind of oh we've ended up in pride and i'm gonna like mm-hmm. i don't know it's usually something that's like a comical aspect or yeah. it's um or there d- for a joke or there or for to- drama though um because we yeah. had in, in season one we did have nomi and anamita at pride briefly yeah but then obviously that was part of it because then Nomi collapsed and that sort of went from there. Whereas this Pride, as we got to see it in this season, is it Sao Paulo? Yeah, Brazil, yeah. Um, was everybody was there expressing Pride? They captured but, what Pride is. It was yeah. just a celebration. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything... There were, that's the thing, that, that it's so different to other shows is that they can just make the point of you know an eight minute scene in this show mm-hmm. it's celebration and it's about happiness yeah and it's so rare to see a show that values happiness mm-hmm. and connection and love as being important yes. dramatic moments yes it's not always negative right um, yeah it's just uh, i think now i'm gonna kill my buzz and i'm gonna get mad because i think it's time hamish I think it's time. So. But then it, if we say it, then it's real. Uh, yeah, well, I'm too mad for it not to be real. Shit that's not real doesn't make me this fucking mad. Um, on yeah. Wednesday, the company founder and CEO of Netflix, Reed Hastings, spoke publicly about wanting his company to take more risk and try more crazy things when it comes to programming, even if that meant that the company will have a higher cancel rate. Cancel rate. And on Thursday, Netflix cancelled Sensei. Was that on June 1st, on the beginning of Pride Month? Was yeah. that first? Yeah. Sensei is no more. And we are fucking mad about it. I'm going to be devil's advocate for 
a very brief moment. Doesn't the devil have enough advocates? <laughs> really? Yes, I think that's true. No, that's um, okay. Let's let's. Uh, I'll take a breath. You yeah. may say your piece. Um, television is shitty, and things like this happen. A. Netflix commissioned this. Like true. They they gave it to us to begin with. B, I don't think the way cancellation decisions happen are so mm-hmm. complicated and messy. It's no Especially with a company like Netflix that won't they very purposely don't talk about their viewing figures, which I find very interesting. They yes, they I'm do sure not divulge they, anything like that. They must have very, very complicated algorithms and things where they can see who subscribes, what they watch, if they only watch certain things, mm-hmm. if they don't watch things because they watch something else, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to... So a few days before this, they cancelled the Get Down. I know. Jesus. Um, which... and. I heard it was their first ever cancellation after one series. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between cancellation and ending a series. Yes. Um, and I read their reasons for doing it. And actually that was, to me, it was kind of fair enough. The get down was Baz Luhrmann's baby. He was too busy to continue doing it. Right. And it's a quite, ex- it's a quite expensive show and not enough people were watching it. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, that's when I—that's why I say they commissioned it because they did commission this and they wanted you to watch it. And they could have given it a bit more support or a bit more yeah. push. Um, but ultimately, if people are not watching it and it's a very expensive show to produce, I can understand why some things get cancelled. And it's a, a horrible, horrible shame, but it tends to be the shows that do have a diverse cast and are trying new things that people don't watch. Mm-hmm. Um but, I'm gonna. The, yeah. the, the thing with Sensate that really bugs me is the way series two ends no. without spoilers <laughs> is not in any way a series end. Sass- no, it's can it's it's not even like I can understand when shows end on a cliffhanger and that's all you get and you'll have to forever just sort of wonder what happened. But it's a very different kind of ending. It's very much like... I My actual only real criticism of season two is that the last episode didn't feel like a last episode. It felt like there should have been another half an hour yeah. or hour. And it, I know they did the Christmas special, which is like a few episodes long, but like in the listings it was something like episode 11 or something. Mm-hmm. And like I was like... Oh, where's the next episode? Oh, there isn't one. Oh, okay. It's a little bit underwhelming, but it's because I think it was done in a very much like knowing that they'd get another series. Yeah, I That's don't. Really I don't think me. they would have ended it like that if they'd known they were going to get cancelled. That's what really annoys me because it makes me feel like the people involved were led to believe. Mm-hmm. If they were, you know, good to go. Yeah. I, I understand why shows are cancelled. It really upsets me when there's no communication or like mm-hmm. no... I would have been heartbroken if that was the last episode, but it was satisfying. Yes. 
And it's because it's we've been left not on a even on a cliffhanger, but on sort of a loose end. Yeah. But I mean maybe maybe there could be hope, even if it's like for a two part wrap up. The re- hashtag renew sensei uh is massively trending on Twitter. Is it what we're going to title the episode Renew Sensei as well, aren't we? To, to show our support. I think so. <laughs> so. That's the thing. With these, with, I, I'm, I'm very accepting that the decision is final, but I want them to know yes. people will miss this. I mm-hmm. want people to know that I, want, I don't want Netflix to now not commission something like that yes. because Agreed. we didn't care, we didn't support it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like, because um, I know there's a, a very successful petition going on change.org as well. Yeah. Um, you can contact Netflix directly and that sh- shows very strongly for them. Even if we don't get Netflix, uh, even if Net- we don't get Sense8 back, showing, like Hamish was just saying, showing your support for this kind of show implies yeah. people. there is a demand for this. People want these kinds of stories. And so we will it will encourage them to keep being told for all that Reed Hastings says wants to try more crazy things. Perhaps, perhaps now going, Oh, perhaps a diverse cast is not a risk anymore. I, I would disagree given I mean, the lack it, of them. But it, 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 there's it, so it, many things that mm. like twist the knife a little bit. Like yeah. um, the fact that some of the shows they are renewing have had, huge huge criticisms mm-hmm. the fact that 13 reasons why and iron fist and things mm-hmm. continue despite huge backlash like newsworthy headline trending backlash yeah all, all i know about 13 reasons why is that it's awful and people hate it and that uh, well, it's dangerous on the flip side i know a lot of people i know i've read a lot of press about how much it's resonated with a lot of people um, for what? Yeah. But the thing is, the season told the story of the book. Yeah. They don't need a second season, but I've not seen Thirteen Reasons Why. I don't intend to see Thirteen Reasons Why. But uh, I'm just—I feel like there's shows which are giving Netflix a bad name, and Sensei mm-hmm. wasn't one of them. Yes. And it's Sensei was unlike anything else, and I get that it's. It, it looks expensive. I was going to say, like, like they a use huge it, hassle. They have to transport that cast around. Like, it's shot in multiple countries. Like, and it looks amazing. And things don't look amazing on the cheap. Also, Sense Eight season two was good in a way I wasn't expecting because it was a little bit of a kind uh, of get the word wrong tumultuous, yeah. tumultuous, Tum- tumultuous. Uh, production. Um, uh, Lily Wachowski left the show. Mm. Uh, I don't think for any bad reasons. Just I think it was uh, too, she too was much. taking time as well, like post transition yes. and things like that. Um, which is cool. there was a re mm. there was a recasting, um, which we still don't know the full. I don't think we'll ever know the full reasons why. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the sensates was recast, and um, the new actor was wonderful though. The new act was wonderful. It he had a struggle in terms of like we got to know this character, mm. um, but he he gave his own take on it. It didn't it didn't affect, it didn't 
make season two worse. And there's a, a silly meta joke, like a haircut or something. Yeah, yeah, I um, liked that. That made me smile. Um, uh, it's one of those things where you can't just get rid of the character. Like, no. Um, there's certain things that will, like, I, I want to know what happens when certain things happen yeah. to the cluster. And I, I, we won't. Unless this becomes the new, like, Firefly or whatever, and there's just hundreds of tie-in books and mm-hmm. sequels and movies. And, yeah. and That's not true of Firefly, but if it becomes the, the, the thing that shouldn't be cancelled of now... Mm. Um, there's just so much more story to tell. It sets up this yeah. amazing universe. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I want to I end the episode on a positive note. Um, even in the light of the cancellation, um, the way the fan community is rallying behind the show is such an amazing reflection of the kind of story the show is telling itself. Like, we are stronger together you find your people, your community and the support mm. inherent in that and seeing the trending hashtag, seeing people talking of these stories coming out of how watching Sensei made them feel less alone, how the stories resonated with them in a way that nothing had before. That's an amazing gift. And even if we don't get anything new, and I am severely hoping they will because Bukowski's got some clout. He was like, let him go make a motion picture. Thank you, please. Okay, please, thank you. Mm-hmm. But we got to have these two amazing seasons of television. Yeah, I would absolutely still recommend it. I mean, as much as I love season two, personally, I hate if the show doesn't have an ending. Uh, so if I would if I would just recommend series one, because I think that feels like an ending. Like, I mm. feel, I think I'd be less mad if it only had one season and never had the second one. I, um, no, I love season two too much. Okay. Um, I well, those are, these, are, these are our, these our are differing our, yeah. views. Hamish and I do occasionally differ. It's, I, 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 I totally get what Hamish is saying, though, for sure. Um, I would say watch both seasons and brace yourself because i would say watch both seasons and (laughs) just join me join me in the grumpy pit of like unresolvedness yeah no Um, but yeah hashtag renew sensei yes even if it's just to show your support for this amazing show and and the the community though the show has been cancelled it's still on netflix and always will be and they, I know they didn't release figures, but if there's a big surge and this being a, it, it's kind of frustrating that they seem to base mm. their decision on like it's opening few weeks when that's not how people watch Netflix. Yeah, I tell you what, um, if you if you don't have Netflix, subscribe for your free thirty days or however much you get for free. Watch Sensei and then cancel it. Watch the Get Down as well. And cancel. Yes, and watch can- all the things that we've, we've recommended. About. Yeah, watch the things. Treat yourself. <laughs> and, maybe, and then maybe cancel your subscription. <laughs> Out of protest. As a protest. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose there we are. There we are. I want to, I, I felt like this would be sadder, but I, I feel buzzed about how much I love the show. Same. Like, so glad that we got it. Yes. Was that, don't be uh, sad because it's, uh, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened? Yes. Try it, but 
true. <laughs> uh, we want to thank Graham Mauler, Audio Overlord and Master of the Sound Waves, and yes, Mild Peril. He did choose that name himself. <laughs> uh, he he created our amazing theme music and helps produce the podcast, and we're, we'd be at a loss without him. And we want to thank you all for listening. Yeah, if you'd like to get in contact with us, we do have individual Twitters at Hamish Steele um, and at Rose. Um, but as always, we are Box Not Included on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and so considering making a Patreon to mm-hmm. um, help fund the show, because actually the show does cost a little bit of money, deceptively. Um, but we'll have more information about that in the future. But please suggest things you want to see from it um, if you like that idea. But until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anyone box you in. 